questions without any um, uh, limits to it. Can't promise anything with regard to the answers, but anyway. <clears throat> so um, in the morning time, just a short reflection for a moment, um, I uh, spoke to you about the extraordinary and precious importance of feelings in life. They are a kind of confirmation of aliveness. And there are some precious healthy feelings which we need to respond to, connect with there, and as it were, be receptive and open our eyes to. That could be uh, something which touches us or something which we have taken for granted. We, want, we wish to remember to feel, to connect, that may be with happiness, felt in the body, therefore it's rather a strong feeling, or a more quiet, sublime expression, which is joy. Both are equally valuable, equally precious. And the greater our receptivity and um, interest is, the more joy um, we'll experience with uh, life, and therefore less in the habit, less <laughs> in the just doing things to get them done, whatever that may be. The instructions in the morning, giving you, and myself, um, all that uh, encouragement. And then um, secondly, um, in the afternoon, uh, Ulla spoke to you and, and that included the areas of uh, intention there, and focus and uh, interest and priority uh, in life. And with this, I'd just like to, with the talk and with the guided meditation, um, go into this uh, a little bit with you as, as well. Um, and that is the connection and the importance of intentionality. What is the intention? And the, the intention is often, not always, the background or that means the experience within through which we do something. I have the intention, being in the kitchen, which is on the other side of this wall, to uh, meet with you this evening. There is the intention. It's followed through with walking, that's the action. And then it's followed through with the communication uh, there. So intentions lead to an Influence on the mind, influence on the body, in this case walking, and uh, influence on the speech, what is actually uh, being said. And human beings with intentions, actions and results, this is a fairly major constitution of what this life is about. It's not the only way of experiencing, but it's a pretty significant one. So it is worthwhile to really meditate and reflect on life and to include in that exploration, intentions, movement, actions, activities, and the relationship to uh, the outcome uh, there. Um, with this period of time with you, with the uh, guided uh, meditation, I would like us uh, um, initially with the uh, sitting posture first. Um, 
few small uh, reminders, a little bit similar to this morning. And then um, flowing uh, on from there with regard to intention. Quite often, each person has to look at the condition of their own life here. A person, she or he may say to themselves, I really should, I really ought to, I must, or rather dangerous concepts these, I really should, I really ought to, I really must, but I don't. And the mind, due to its habit, will then conclude, oh, I haven't got enough determination, I haven't got the willpower, I'm not, if I, if I was really strong and strongly motivated, I would do this, etc. So if I had this, that means strong motivation, strong intention, real commitment, I would do that. It's a very unfortunate, unhealthy and problematic way of looking at things. And we have too much, we have an excess. What should we call it? Faith is almost too strong a word. Uh, we have an excess of belief that willpower will get us to do things. I'm not sure if willpower has much to do with it. It's about something else altogether. And so we keep judging ourselves on the willpower or and the getting things done or not done. It's a nightmare. So let's have our guided meditation. I'll touch on these points uh, with you, speak a little bit more uh, further with you in terms of the uh, uh, talk. <clears throat> so the usual um, encouragement, uh, the, the posture, oh, the posture. There's one thing which, uh, is very valuable about these Buddha uh, postures, which I have to say one tends to see everywhere, including in this house and in the garden. One thing, and on the high street in the shops, one thing valuable and helpful about them, they're definitely a reminder of a good posture. Forget the religious stuff, what about the posture? So we sit Buddha-like and alive. And we experience just this just this sitting.
and in just this setting, is the life of the body. The vibrations, the uh, two feet on the floor, backside on the chair, on the cushion. A very bare experience for a human being. It's as bare as we can find it. There's not really much uh, choice about the matter, if at all. I can't choose to create these sensations of the contact of the feet with the floor or the backside. Can't choose to take one part of the body and move it to another part. accumulated knowledge and information which our brain, mind has accumulated doesn't have any real relevance right here, right now we just know that we have the intention to sit. And that intention can fade. So really it's just sitting. The intention has reached its outcome. Its fruit. Its result just to sit.
So the intention and the outcome, <clears throat> just sitting. Uh, close there, intimate. The intention to uh, listen, <coughs> to be receptive. When does intention come under the influence of self, of ego? When does intention get the I, the self wrapped around it? I want, I must have, I demand. I am going to get this, whatever this may be. What is this impact on intention? That generates a stress. an increasing dependency on result, on the consequence of getting what I want. And being unhappy and disappointed and upset when I, I, I can't get what I want. or who I want. Sometimes we have a <clears throat> interest in an endeavor, in a creative expression, <clears throat> in a caring action, 
that we experience that intention, the wish, that it doesn't get actualized. It kind of hangs around in the mind. Even though we tell ourselves this is important, this is a priority, this is worth following through. What if we just let go of giving ourselves a hard time of this, of being um, judgmental? What if we let go of the idea it's about willpower, it's about putting in the effort, it's about striving to make something happen? Have we relied on that for far too long? What would it be to explore and meditate and reflect in a fresh way, without the willpower. To make something happen which is uh, beautiful. And And challenging. We're not going to be dependent on this willpower and determination and the force of the mind. What do we uh, listen to within? what will nourish uh, beautiful action, 
so we're not forgetting nor neglecting the priority it needs nourishment for something to happen what nourishes wise action And the confirmation of finding the nourishment is that the action happens. The nourishment may come from another who supports us, who loves us, who gives a little extra energy to make something happen. It may come through knowledge, through inspiration, through putting other things aside in our life so something can emerge. And the combination of all of that and more So that we are quite clear that the teachings of liberation are teachings of liberation <coughs> expressing in one manifestation as wise action. Creative expression, boldness, fearlessness, adventure and if something appears too big too big a leap then we make the small leaps step by step
of our meditations and just being contribute to a focus of a certain priority to reflection on what nourishes this priority and the reflection which nourishes when it nourishes brings about reaction and sustains it always been like this for our species, for human beings. There is much else as well. But the movement of life, of intentions, to communications, to engagement, to service, to creativity is one of the precious ones. Remaining minute or two. May all beings explore the power of intentions. May all beings develop the nourishment to make things happen. May all beings know the freedom to engage. All right. Thank you for uh, uh, listening. <clears throat> and um, in this uh, period of uh, time uh, with you, I'd like to give a short uh, talk. And as mentioned, uh, some questions might be uh, <clears throat> appropriate for you afterwards from you. And <clears throat> um, just to go back once again, um, uh, to this to this morning uh, I, I had mentioned um, uh, this, the detail of the moment sometimes when uh, a small unexpected uh, happens it touches us and it brings out this happiness this uh, uh, joy and some of the best of those moments perhaps they always they are the best really it, in which there was no anticipation nor uh, expectation uh, in any way at all. Just uh, 
happened. So in my case, um, I'm, I'm down here in the living, uh, uh, the living room. And when I pressed the power of the red button this morning, I then went upstairs as um, what one does and sometimes with less than religious enthusiasm to uh, check the emails. And the first one which I uh, downloaded was from a beloved friend of mine from France, Pacho. And Pacho looks after the archive of one of the great uh, teachers of uh, Thailand, a true Maha Purusha, great person, and that is uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa. And while they were going through doing some archives, one of his uh, colleagues, um, we uh, found two photographs um, of myself having a meeting conversation with um, uh, Ajahn uh, Buddhadasa. Ajahn Buddhadasa um, spent 60 years in the forest, gave remarkable teachings, very, very radical, and uh, a real inspiration uh, uh, in my life. So there's this photograph, and um, my, I, I have no idea what he said, but <laughs> the photograph, my eyes are kind of wide open. It's like, like seeing a pop star. <laughs> and uh, so he must have said something, and it really just opened my eyes up, which is what, of course, he wants to do anyway. And someone just happened to click the button at the right uh, moment. So this rather lovely uh, photograph. And Pacho asked me when it was taken, well, the hair was dark brown at that time. So it's going back a few lifetimes. Um, in the mid-1980s, I suspect. Not altogether dark brown, the grey was also en route. Anyway, more importantly, it's the moment of the unexpected, which touches the senses, which the impression uh, arises. It brings a joy in the moment. Let's just recognize the value and the deep spiritual significance in a way of being touched with, with such moments in life. My goodness me. And all sorts of circumstances can then uh, can generate this. And it serves as a kind of grounding principle that the best of life comes to us unexpected. But then comes in the response as well is the, uh, is the area of uh, intention. <clears throat> and it takes a little bit of work to um, really um, address this. And two things here. For some, and it's completely fine, it's unproblematic. What I mean by this, sometimes life is just, has its own rhythm to it. We are just getting on, our, on with our life. There is a quiet flow with it. We are not putting pressure on ourselves that it should be more than what it is. And we're not thinking we should be doing more. Our life is just moving in a rhythm. 
And this rhythm is rather precious and lovely. It will show itself in a certain modesty of being. It will show itself in empathy and kindness with others. It will show itself in the moderation of a lifestyle. And the sense of life is, here's the evolution, the movement of life, and one is just with the rhythm of it. And it's a, just a beautiful thing to live in a quiet harmony uh, day by day without putting a huge amount of demand on ourselves or on anyone else. <clears throat> and teachings and these practices honor that, respect that, and we should not be demanding of people that they should have to change uh, uh, that there. <clears throat> there are others, and that may include you, include myself, uh, there, where there is a sense that of the preciousness of the value of the rhythms of life, being in tune with that, and then at times, something stands out for us, and it kind of calls upon us to respond to. Uh, that may be from within and, and the absence of the without, so to speak. There's something comes to us and it's got a, uh, an authority to it. It's got a, a voice to it. If you're a religious disposition, uh, the voice of God, um, the deep inner voice, and that movement calls upon us to respond to it and listen and there. And it takes us out of our rhythm. We are now faced with a certain kind of engagement. As I mentioned with the guided meditation, when that voice <clears throat> uh, emerges, it doesn't mean to say that, therefore, it will lead naturally and effortlessly to doing something. We know it's there. We feel it. It may go completely against all the forms and patterns and whatever should work, the family constellation and much, much else. Sometimes that voice is breaks through all the constructions in our life. Some of us have known this a few times, not just once in our life. And we've, in a way, paid respect to the voice. <clears throat> it's not, no intention to hurt, nor harm, nor exploit, nor abuse. We, we know it's healthy there. But as mentioned to you, when the voice comes, it doesn't mean to say that the voice itself has enough authority to make it happen whatever it may be about small things and big things when it's like that what is going to give the nourishment to make something of the voice or the whisper or the shout inside of ourselves which brings about a movement an activity as mentioned to you a few moments ago i don't think we women and men on this earth can, in these kind of circumstances, rely upon ourselves to sort everything out. 
I'd be surprised. There may be a few rare beings who have that. But most of us have found the good counsel with the other, the wisdom of the other, the inspiration from the other, what we needed to hear in order for us to respond to. And it may be, if you are at the moment in a time of consideration of significant change, there may be quite a few voices around you which are discouraging. They're usually called mummy and daddy, by the way, but they might be called others of things as well. And, and then we kind of lose the confidence. We transfer authority to the other over that inner voice which says, act, respond, create, change, make happen. <clears throat> and of course the outcome of the, all of that we conform oh dear oh dear what a life spent in conformity so our vitality and those women and men on this earth who you and I love dearly have great uh, respect for past and uh, present uh, women and men who have quite often challenged the status quo, who have said something fresh is needed, regardless of age or uh, knowledge or education or whatever. So, therefore, just to repeat a little bit, if I may, have trust and confidence with those who live the quiet rhythms of the life. These are really precious and beautiful human beings and we can find them in every street. They're, they're around. They're the, as Jesus said, the salt of the earth. They're really precious uh, people. And then there are others. They're not more important. They're not less important. And they're not the same either. Uh, others whose movement of life and the engagement with it sparks something for something fresh. And it may be we have to live with something and be patient because something else takes the priority. If I may just take a very small example, small example in my own life here. <clears throat> when my uh, daughter was born, so uh, those of you who are parents, has spent plenty of time with children, uh, will know that if children are to grow up confident and happy uh, in, in this world, it makes uh, a real support for the, for the kids is that they get loved. And that we, the privilege of being the parent or the good friend or the aunt or the uncle uh, or the neighbor or whatever with the kids, or the school teacher, of course, and much else. We give and nourish that love and support. The benefit will come in years. So in my case, I still remember um, when the uh, young lady was born in the early 1980s, I thought to myself, well, 
for five years, I'll put off the writing for five years. It wasn't quite that long, but anyway, three or four years went by um, to give priority to this small being in, in my, uh, my life and my uh, partner's life. And just use it as a small example. It may not be possible within the circumstances to actualize a vision, to actualize a creativity or a form of service uh, there. <clears throat> it may be that we put it off for a while, but it's only for a period. And those of us who have been around on this earth a few uh, decades, frankly, these days, you know, five years is about as long as a summer holiday. It's just a little phase in the journey through life and but we're staying patient and we're still receptive for the moment for the time and the response <clears throat> with just gonna have a sip of the water here <clears throat> the, the throat needs nourishment as as much as anything else in there voila <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, just so I picked up, there's some, some people doing you know, really lovely and precious work. So years ago, years ago, I um, uh, had a filter water tap installed in the sink. There's an example of what I mean here. <clears throat> so the good man came set up the filter water because I didn't want to keep buying plastic bottles. So I had the filter uh, uh, there. And I, and I said to him, is there going to be much difference in the taste between tap water and filtered water? He said, if you can't tell the difference between one and the other, what's the point? So he said, turn your back on the kitchen sink. And then he got two uh, glasses, one with tap water and one with the filtered water. And he put them uh, there and he said, turn around. And then he handed me one glass and then he handed the, uh, the other. I could not believe, some of you will know this, the difference between the taste of one with all those chemicals in the water because the water company is too tight or too submissive to the shareholders to actually put in new pipes so it's cheaper when there's a leak to filter the water with more chemicals and there is the, the pure taste of the water it's a good um well, in my view, a good analogy for what I'm talking about, that there's a certain kind of intentionality and response, which there's a certain, dare I say, purity of heart with it. It's not corrupted, like the tap water, at least down here in South Devon, um, with all the chemicals and all that extra odd taste that's actually in the water 
there. And, and we, in our explorations of life, moving with the rhythms of it, there come the moments, and for many of us, they come you know, every now and then, but they're strong, of which some adaption or change needs to be made. And there's a vitality to that. And there are a lot of people right now who are in this position. And we all know why. I hope we do. So the life has been moving along in its quiet rhythms, beautiful, kindly beings on the earth, just quietly going about in the way that they do. And it's with huge respect for, for, uh, for them. But to such people, there can be such a dramatic disruption there. It's challenging everything there because the world which was in its flow was going well and one was certain contentment, not totally, but certain contentment with it now. Whoa. But that impact of that for you and for me presents some opportunity. And we need this. We need to really explore this and not sacrifice happiness, not sacrifice joy, not sacrifice wise intention, not sacrifice taking risks or the engagement with the new. Because that, that means we're lost, we've, we've, we've caved in, we've submitted, we've surrendered. And some, despite everything and all the ups and downs, just quietly get on with living from one day to the next and do it rather well for us. So let's in our um, reflections, let's in our meditations, and our kind of thoughts on these uh, uh, issues, quietly check in with ourselves. How are the rhythms of my life at the moment? Is there any disruption to it, which is unexpected? Rather than be despondent about it, what is another way to nourish this period of time in which I use the resources, inwardly, outwardly, right from sky above and earth below, to people, to literature and the arts, to reflections on fresh ways to look at situations, to the, to the love and support of the good friends and, and family members. We bring all of this together to ensure that we can move with certain conviction and a certain passion into these new situations. And happiness will come out, out of that. The challenge for definitely for, uh, for all, all of us. But honestly, is there any alternative to submit, to give up, to feel despair? We really have uh, in um, giving too much authority to events. So that's the um, 
what I wanted to uh, share uh, with you uh, uh, this uh, this evening, still happiness and joy, as referred to rhythms of life, finding the intentions to respond to, which are not being distorted by ego and I and my and all all of that, and therefore say right. This is how it is. Okay, what's the wise response? What will nourish this situation? And to have that dialogue, if you possibly can, with other people. Do not think all of this will be done alone. We're human. We are the collective. As the Buddha said, Sangang Sadananga Chami, I go for refuge. I don't take it. He says, I go for a refuge means I go for support in the Sangha. And the word Sangha means gathering. And gathering means two or more people. So it's not just a self-insular work. Never has been, not, not in the body of, the, of, the, of these kind of teachings. We support each other. All right, so we've got a few minutes rolling on here, here in the flow of things. And if there's any... Uh, I'll, I'll just um, see with the chat yeah, uh, there. Okay, I'll, I'll read it out. And if there's anything, of, uh, then I'll respond. <clears throat> uh, it says, last words is strive on untiringly. I think this might be a reference to uh, the, the, the Buddha's last words uh, uh, there. Another freestyle translation, by the way. Anyway, right effort includes cultivating the wholesome and abandoning the unwholesome. What told you in your own practice, for example, when you were inspired to stand for three hours in the afternoon, as your beloved monk friend did in Wat Chai Na, that your efforts are really in the flow of the Dharma rather than the distortions of the ego taking over? Good question. I, I enjoy these days, these personal uh, questions. So I'll deal with the first bit first. So <clears throat> um, the, uh, at the end of the Buddha's uh, uh, life, as there is quite often in the Indian tradition, the wish for there to be a successor and therefore to establish a lineage of one person to another. It's the Buddha, being the Buddha, radical and free-spirited, and we have none of this old uh, tradition there. And essentially um, said, make the Dharma your teacher. Means the whole body of teachings and practices, that's where you put your trust. Not in the individual called the Buddha or the successor or, or whatever uh, there. And right effort, which is such um, a kind of Victorian Western language there, but it's much more open and expansive than uh, that. What is referring to, and the good person's question picks this up as well, <clears throat> Um, is a creative energy which we apply to situations 
to cultivate that which is worthy of cultivation, called wholesome, called healthy, called skillful, called wise. We learn to dissolve and drop or let go or leave behind that which is harmful, unhealthy, unwholesome uh, there. We also learn in the exploration of this creative energy, this, uh, uh, like I was referring to actually in the reflection review, to not only to develop something, but to sustain it as well. And also learning to give up and abandon. So it's allowing something to fade away, but finishing, it finishes once and for all. Uh, there. And once again, recognizing the good support that the Sangha means, in this case, men and women of practice, we give support to each other. With regard to the um, standing uh, uh, under the tree, so in the monastery, the monk, um, for uh, Longboot, uh, he was standing under the tree every day, 12 till 3 every afternoon, as soon as the food was finished. And he was oh, about 70, 71 at the, the time. And when I was doing my practice, I would watch him just standing there like a tree, just stood. And we had one hour every day of standing. And honestly, there's nothing special to it. And then I thought, hmm, I'm going to stand under one of the other trees. <clears throat> and just gradually let it built up. So because perhaps not so many people would think of standing in one spot for three hours without moving the, the foot uh, there. But honestly, frankly, it's a piece of cake. It's just a kind of quiet practice in which the appreciation for standing on this earth, tall and upright with a quiet presence, with some inspiration from Paul Longbutt, and that standing uh, posture, there's something quite valuable about it uh, uh, there. And of course, the ego, can build up its notion of self-importance, or even more possible, of course, is the um, wish to impress other monks. Oh, this guy, this Western guy, he's doing the standing meditation, Paul Longboot, he's doing his standing uh, uh, meditation. But one wouldn't last very long if it's on ego with this. So, um, the period of time of the standing meditation, I think, was um, every day for 18 months, if I remember rightly, something like that. And just to stand. Nothing to it, honestly. But very insightful, very beneficial, contributed to a lot of deep uh, 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 roots. Quite a lot of activity would be going on in and around the trees at times with the birds and the, uh, and the uh, insects and the odd snake wandering by and the, and the scorpion and 
seeing how we're going to respond to this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It wasn't dull. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Last, last, last point. <laughs> what can you do when recognizing that a negative intention, ego, is lurking in the background of an action or goal? Do you let go of the goal or try to adjust the intention? <clears throat> or oh, don't let go of the goal. Um, there's lots of things to let go of, but worthwhile goals, I, I, I would hesitate uh, uh, there. So in this particular um, uh, case, and I, I, so there's the intention to act. There is enough clarity, and it's precious that the person uh, picks this up, that there could be either a negative intention, a negative intention can be in the negative. Oh, I won't do it. I won't finish. I won't get to the goal. I'll screw it up on the way. It won't work out for me. That's the negative. It's in the negativity zone there. And the negative also could be, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll only blame myself um, or I blame others. Or the negative will be, oh, it's just going to feed my ego in the end, and I'm just going to end up with a monstrous ego if I succeed in what I do. So a person's got the intention, there is the vision, there is response, and to quote the, the master, the Buddha, one's mindfulness is to the extent necessary. So that means that the good person keeps her, his mindfulness enough just to see there is a bit of vulnerability uh, towards <clears throat> um, the negative in the ways that I described and others entering into it. And they are more likely to have a stronger influence when we are tired, they come in more easily. Um, when some doubts come in, can this be followed through this goal? When other people are blaming or fault-finding. Yeah. So we need to know very well and very clearly what are the circumstances in which that which is in the background starts to be in the foreground to the point that it corrupts the vision, the direction, and the goal. Uh, so keep your mindful eye uh, open uh, uh, on this and, and you know, staying true to the principle. The, in my conversations with many, many people on these themes over the, over the years, uh, um, and people who I love and re 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 respect, you know, my view, of, they are the gods of the earth, including uh, Buddha Dasa that I referred to a few moments ago. <clears throat> and most of us who are engaged 
do experience struggle to make things happen. It may be, if one is blessed, that the energy and the vitality is powerful, unwavering and steadfast and sustains itself. But for plenty, there's the action and then the struggle. And that struggle will be with the negative aspects. But practice includes struggle. Practice is not a way of looking, saying, oh, it's struggle because of the negative, therefore I won't. It's practice is struggle. There is a direction. My God, I'm going to keep to this direction there and I'm going to take the struggle that goes with it. That's better. <laughs> All right. All right. I think we're done. And I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you up from your uh, evening program. So let's just have a uh, quiet minute together and thank you very very much for the question really uh, precious and uh, and for all of us let's have the quiet minute May all beings engage with life. May all beings be willing to struggle to help make wise things happen. May all beings live with love and liberation. Thank you very, very much, uh, uh, everyone. And tomorrow uh, morning, uh, Ulu will be uh, with you. She'll uh, give instructions. She'll um, give the guided meditation. I'll uh, see you uh, in the afternoon. And again, uh, thank you for uh, um, making uh, the time and the uh, intention to be here. So I'm going to use the, use the power of privilege, press the red button. Bye-bye <laughs> for now. Bye, Brian. See you. <laughs> Bye, Rosemary. <laughs>